Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. that is how we start every episode of believe in kentucky we get to the highlight package from the voice tom leach for our man Jalen whitlow from uk quarterback all the coverage football and basketball all things in between from the journalist himself aaron gershon for the catspiles.com fellas i always appreciate y'all being on here each and every week how we doing this evening oh it's been good Good deal, good deal. Glad to have you back, Glad, uh, Jay. Missed you, man. We had fun. Aaron was back in his home state yeah. of Connecticut, childhood back in bedroom. his childhood bedroom. So, uh, before we get into all of the, we got look, we got Kentucky and Carolina coming up in Atlanta. Uh, the what third big test, if you will, Kansas, Miami, now yeah. Carolina. If you want to look at that on the schedule. We'll get to that. We got all kind of football stuff happening in the portal. We got backtrack. Get your thoughts on the new quarterback, Jalen, because you weren't with us last week. But Aaron, I got to ask you, man, because you're born and raised in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. You, bleed, you bleed Giants. You bleed Yankees. You bleed Knicks. You, you yep. know, all the big brother New York teams. As yeah, far thank as your God, I got born concerned. into that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so my my question is, and last week for y'all that listen and watch, we're live, believe.com on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe and follow us. Uh, you can listen wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe to the podcast there. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on YouTube and subscribe. You can get us live each and every week. Everybody that watched and listened last week knew that Aaron was in his childhood bedroom back home in Connecticut. So with that being said, based on what we saw Monday night, were you in your backyard being Tommy DeVito leading the Giants to victory? As <laughs> were you the were you the young quarterback that led the Giants to victory? What was what were you doing in the backyard when it came to your Giants and, and visualizing and stuff? Basically, man, he's basically living every Northeast kid's dream right now. It's really, really cool. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty fair. I remember like sports camps as a kid being the quarterback playing uh playing uh flag football and yeah, always thinking about the Giants during that. And then, I mean, it was, I, I mean, I'd say I envisioned myself playing baseball more just because that's what I played growing up. I didn't play – my parents didn't let me play football growing up. And um, But, uh, yeah, no, he's living every single Northeast kid's dream. I think it's like the whole Italian thing, the whole New Jersey thing. It's just so perfect. Like, I, I haven't – I've seen – and you're a Cowboys fan, Vinny. Every sports fan I see – teams that hate the Giants just you can't not love this story it's like Jeremy Lin all over again when he went on that insane run uh with the Knicks uh in 2011 it's so similar to that uh Lin was obviously I believe did he live in New York I know obviously he's of Chinese descent and he really you know obviously New York is a huge Chinese uh population but um 
I don't remember if he grew up in New York or not, but still uh, a lot of people that related him there. And it's kind of a similar thing going on here uh, with DeVito, but the whole Italian, the whole New Jersey, it's just, it's awesome. And look, I, I mean, hindsight winning these games is not you know the draft pick and all that you can worry about that later but man it's fun like you're this is a down year and you still have something to watch because it's really entertaining and that game monday night man between devito and wandale robinson i mean that was a that was a hell of a win Uh, it was a gutsy performance wandale i would say i know he had the 100 yard game last year and then unfortunately towards acl but between clutch catches that the um wildcat run that he got on a handoff from Barkley. Uh, I think that was probably his best game as a pro so far. So a lot of fun. He had the flea flicker too, right? Yep. Hey, what a play that was too, because it was an underthrown ball and he made the adjustment and ripped it away from a linebacker. So yeah, he, he played his ass off and made a really nice play with a toe drag on the sideline. And uh, I mean, give credit to Carrington Valentine too. He had the big scoop mm-hmm. that set up what I thought was going to be the game-winning touchdown. Uh, and then on the other in the other game, Will Levis. I mean, yeah. wow, uh, what a comeback he led there. And you know, I, I put it out. What impressed me most with Levis wasn't even the comeback. It was that game started for as bad as you could. Did you see the pick he threw? The pick six to Siler? Like that is yeah. as bad of a throw as you can make. And most rookie quarterbacks, man, that rattled them and probably ruined the game. Um, he didn't let it shake him at all. And he came back from all sorts of adversity uh, like he has in his young pro career to win that thing. So it was a good night for Kentucky in the NFL. It, it was a fun night as a Giants fan. And I, I'll just enjoy this little Italian ride uh, for a little <laughs> longer here. So is he, is he going to be y'all's Brock Purdy? Young, young no. Look, I'd be great. I'll, I'll sign up for that right now if you're telling me that. But um. Look, that's why I brought up Jeremy Lin. It only lasted like a month. I mean, this thing's probably not going to last that long. Uh, I mean, he was an undrafted guy that at least I knew who Brock Purdy was coming out of. I think a lot of people (laughs) knew the name Brock Purdy because he did some pretty good things at Iowa State. Uh, Tommy DeVito between Syracuse and Illinois uh, did not do much. Uh, So we'll see. I mean, I'd love that to be the case, but uh, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself with that. So y'all still – Team Danny Dimes, or I'm team whoever gives me a chance to win. <laughs> I, I wouldn't mind. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where they are in the draft. I mean, if they're in that top ten, uh, and Jaden Daniels kind of falls to the back half of it, that's the guy Ooh. I'd circle. But uh, we'll see. Right. I will say I trust Brian Dable with any quarterback now. If he can make Tommy DeVito look pretty damn good and make Daniel Jones look as good as he did last year, and Tyrod was playing great before he got hurt, like. Uh, I, I I trust Brian Dable. That's for damn sure. Mm. All right. Yeah, they. I mean, they had an underrated quarterback room, man. I mean, I, know. I mean, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we can say that now. But I mean, everybody who's took a snap has played pretty well. I mean, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, I, they got to get stronger around them. Um, yeah. But I think I think Dayball does a good job everywhere he's been. For the most part, he's done a really good job with quarterback. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, what he did with Josh Allen, man. I mean, look what he did at I know Bama is Bama, but still, yeah, two and really, really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. when he, he was at Bama, so he's doing a good job, man, with the quarterbacks. And uh, you know, NFL is a quarterback driven league, you know, obviously, yeah. you need pieces around them, but if you got a good quarterback, you can you can win games. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I think uh, it's gonna be interesting what they do in the draft, and you know, the veto's kind of winning the, the, the spirit of the fans a little bit too, so. Uh, when your boy, uh, you know, 
Danny get back, man. I don't know. <laughs> I just, that's yeah, that's a, an uncomfortable spot for him. It, He's probably you know, like a quarterback is always the most popular person on the team. Yeah. I mean, it, in talent, like it is yep. what it is. So especially when he grows up ten minutes back. away. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens, man. I think they got an interesting thing going though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's why I had to had to leave with that because you being the Giants fan that you are, uh, and everything that's been going on with them had to had to start with that. Um, but we we shifted to you know we got the Cats and the Tar Heels. You just came from Philly. Yep. First, as you everybody listened last week, first trip ever to Philly. So right. how was that, man? It was good, man. Uh, the arena is beautiful. Uh, I know I hate the we hate the Eagles here on this podcast, but uh, it's a really cool setup with how the Eagles Stadium, the Phillies, and the Sixers slash Flyers are all in the same parking lot, and you got a really cool uh, bar there right in in the middle there. So it's a really cool setup. Uh, the arena is really nice. Um, it was a great environment. A lot, a lot of Kentucky fans uh, in that building, and it was so funny. Uh, you know, the I guess the event was like the Malone's Classic or something, and I'm yeah, people yeah. asking me, "What the hell's Malone's? What's Malone's?" Malone's. It's like that's like the place out here, and no one's ever going to know that out there. And they're playing Malone's ads uh, on the big board at every stop, so it was really funny. My dad actually yeah. thought it thought it was for Moses Malone, and I had to tell him, "Nah, <laughs> you've even been to Malone's, you should know better." But uh, may he rest yeah. in peace. Yeah, exactly. But um, <laughs> it was just a that was funny, a funny tidbit. But you know, the game went eh, probably around how you expect. You know, they got the win. Penn being a really good three point shooting team made some crazy shots. Um, I thought the defense was pretty good from Kentucky's side of view. Um, you know, there were definitely some some things that carried over from the UNCW game you want to see get cleaned up. But uh, the story, obviously, was uh, how Aaron Bradshaw played. I mean, that's obviously uh, the story of that game. Double-double in his second career game. Uh, does it eight miles away from where he played high school ball at um, at Camden High. He was dominant. He was the rim. He had three, uh, I think, three blocks. Um, he was exactly what Kentucky was looking for inside. He was able to kind of clean a couple shots up uh, that missed. I think he had two or three putbacks. He hit a, steps out and hit, hit a three. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the Aaron Bradshaw that, you know, fans have been kind of – be fans have been really antsy to see. And uh, for him to do that two games in, uh, <laughs> that was pretty damn impressive. I, I was I don't care who they're playing. Uh, that was a pretty impressive showing by, uh, by number two. Yeah, for sure. Your thoughts, Jay? Yeah, I mean, um, like pretty much what he said. I, again, I watched this team, and I'm like, this is the first time, just full transparency, I've been really excited to watch Kentucky basketball. I don't blame you. Um, you know, that's I'm just keeping it real. I, I mean, I just yeah. I love the style of play. You know, I love the pace that they play. I think they need to play better defense. But, um, you know, I think they have the talent to play even better defense than what they're playing. Uh, but I, I think um, – you know, I just like the style of play, man. You got guys who can get shots. You know, it seemed like, you know, almost everybody you put on the court can hit a shot and handle the ball somewhat. Uh, you know, they just they just got a solid team all around, and it's exciting to watch. So, um, you know, I think it's I think it's dope, man. Like I told you, I had a, a kid that uh, I coached down here go to the game, and he he loved it. You know, because he was taking pictures, but he was also, you know, caught up sometimes between taking pictures and actually watching the game. <laughs> uh, because he, he he liked you know he enjoyed the style of play that they played, uh, so I, I just think it's you know it's just a fun time um, because I you know I really believe they they got a shot to do something in the postseason yeah. uh, this year. So uh, it's exciting to watch, man. You know, like I said, you know Bradshaw coming back his second game, he balled out like that. 
his, you know, the sky's the limit uh, for, the, you know, for real, man. I just, you know, I'm excited to see how they develop. You know, still a young team, still got to put it all together. But, you know, the potential to be really, really explosive is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're hoping to get the bigs back. You, you're glad to see Bradshaw back. Because you know Carolina's got a bigger squad. You know Baycott's been there yeah. for 14 years. <laughs> so. I got a couple 14 there guys. <laughs> so, R.J. Davis, Felix, been there a minute too. Yeah. So you he still hasn't. You know Bradshaw still hasn't played somebody his size in a college game yet, which will happen right. Saturday. But Spinoso was was a rough and tumble type dude. You can tell he, he liked the numbers bang. going into that game. Yeah. And, yeah, he liked to mix it up. And he was trying to back down and, and lean on Bradshaw. So he got a little bit of contact and, and mixed it up and a little preview of what he's going to see Saturday. Uh, and according to, I guess it was Cameron Mills was on with Chuck Martin on the, I don't know if it's behind Kentucky basketball. Yeah. He was saying, you go is looking good. So maybe we're getting close to seeing him. I don't think we're seeing Saturday or will we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe mix them in. I wouldn't push push it obviously and maybe it'll it's interesting he's the guy like even before he got hurt it was kind of like where does he fit on this team right because they want to go fast um they want to every time they get the ball they want to be explosive they don't want to have to run plays Callis said that a lot of times where with this Mm -hmm. team you don't run plays but Ugo is the one guy on this team uh and I'm counting Big Z in that from what I've heard in his style of play where he kind of fits the mold of what Kentucky wants to do Ugo's the one guy at least from what we saw last year doesn't fit right. He's not a guy who's a, he's gonna he's gonna move down the floor really well. He's not a guy who's gonna be able to shoot uh, outside of you know outside the paint. And he's not gonna be and he's gonna be a really good rim protector and a really good rebounder. But uh, what else does he bring? He's kind of similar play style to Oscar, just uh, obviously way different player. I'm just saying from the point of a more old school big. So uh, how does he fit? How many minutes does he get? Who do you pair him up with? Uh, I'm really curious to see. I think this is a game where you kind of see where things go. I mean, I wouldn't force his return in this one because it's a really important game. I mean, Miami, the way they lost to Colorado on a neutral site this weekend kind of has to give you some concern that maybe, and especially because it was at home. So remember at home, I think, has to be one through 25 in the net to be quad one, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe that won't end up being a quad one. Right now it's a quad two. So you need to get this one under your belt and get a quad one. I don't think Kentucky has one quite yet. Plenty of opportunities. The SEC is really good this year. Yeah. But uh, this is a really important one because, look, I mean, the way Miami's gone so far, and its I don't think it's fair because Kentucky played a great game and Miami's a really experienced team. But that question is still going to be out there hey, can this Kentucky team go out and beat the best of the bunch? And North Carolina is, a, as you hit on it, Vinny, really old team. Baycott and R.J. Davis have been doing this thing a long time. Their only two losses are to Nova in overtime, a two-point loss, and against UConn, the defending champions, who uh, I was actually at that game, and uh, UNC hung with them. You know, mm-hmm. UConn kind of just had too much uh, for them to handle late. So uh, this, is a, this is a big, big test, and I wouldn't just – I wouldn't – I wouldn't push Hugo in this game unless you're comfortable. I'd save him for your cupcake against Louisville next weekend uh, or next week. Uh, I don't know. I'm saying that. uh, Hey, Arkansas State, who's three and seven, is up eleven on Louisville right now. So uh, at the um, I feel bad for Kenny Payne. Let's (laughs) let's talk 
he over his head, but he just waved. I know. I feel bad even taking shots at Louisville anymore. Uh, but let's, it's let's just, talk about it's that for easy. a minute. Let's talk too about easy. that for, for two minutes, just two seconds, because yeah. I mean, it's it's always something, and it's not good. I and mean, <laughs> you, you flash back before the season started. He's trying to say the red white scrimmage. He says blue white scrimmage, <laughs> and then he says and. My thing, look, Aaron, you you cover coaches more than anybody. You're in yeah, a cover press conference anybody. You, you want transparency, and he's transparent at the wrong time. Like, yeah, with, with the thing about he said he said it. I probably shouldn't tell you this, but we had a guy. He he almost didn't play because we didn't have the right stockings for him. Yeah, don't, don't tell us that. Don't, don't tell us that. Don't, that's not the time to be brutally honest. Just right. You just like like if you. If you run into a wall and nobody sees it, you don't go say, "Hey man, I about tripped and fell on my face." You don't. You don't tell nobody. No, you don't bring attention to yourself. Yeah. Um, and yeah. now you have a kid. They said was going to transfer. He tweets out, oh, "I'm my. not transferring," and the fact that they think I am is kind of disheartening and sad. What? How does he's he, sitting how, in the stands watching the game right now? How does he? How do they keep just tripping over themselves? As from a yeah. PR standpoint, this is. This this is getting the fans pissed off, and now the players. When you're doing stuff, it's yeah. not. It's this is just getting everybody yeah, upset. Yeah. I mean, look, there's a reason when KP was here that we always said like we he was our favorite interview because he would give us a lot uh, <laughs> and give us a lot of good insight. But um, I, I don't think Kentucky ever had any drama issues like they've had there. And I think you, my favorite little gaffe there that uh, <laughs> that is not one you mentioned was uh, against Indiana when he said Mike Woodson tricked them with the zone. Like those are just things that you gotta just not do. And look, Louisville. At the end of the day, this thing, whether it happens at the end of the season, because I think it (laughs) it does lighten the buyout, and this year ain't going anywhere anyway. Oh, or if it happens tomorrow, uh, this thing's gonna end. I feel horrible for Kenny Payne because he's a great dude who I think uh, he also got there. I know this year there's not much of an excuse, but he got there at a tough time with the NCAA cloud over their head. Um, Mm -hmm. We'll see, but. uh, for the sake of – we've said it on this pod so many times, man, and that's what was so fun about the football game this year. It's great when both schools are really good and you can have yeah. really fun games once a year, and hopefully whoever they bring in. I saw Jerome Tang's name out there. Sign me up for that, man, because uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun out there in Greensboro. I know it wasn't a fun ending, uh, but the, the lead-up to that game, the whole dudes thing afterwards, that was fun. Uh, I think that would bring a lot of juice to the rivalry and – a lot of juice to the city of Louisville. So for their sake, uh, it's funny right now, but uh, you know, you kind of hope that they'll eventually get it turned around, but I, I, I just don't think it's going to happen for KP there. I, I just don't think so. I think he might be back on this Kentucky staff pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, I just, every, everybody's not a head coach, man. Uh, yep. Exactly. He, he's really, you know, he's what we call tone deaf. Uh, because he just don't understand when to say things or what to say, you know, at certain times. Like I said, I, you know, I don't know him personally, but everybody says that he's a good dude, and I trust the people who say that, so I'm going to take yeah. your word for it. Um, but, you know, you just you, you kind of feel for people like that because you can tell that he's just kind of over his head. Like, he, he, he it's 100%. too much for him. He's not, he's not in a position to succeed, um, yeah. you know, no. In in the position that he's in, so you know, it, it, you hate to see that type of stuff because it's embarrassing. You almost get secondhand embarrassment watching his interviews. Um, <laughs> but but it, you know, 
I can't. It's funny, but but you but you you know. No, I know. Right? I'm laughing with you. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, it, you know. So we'll see. Like you said, it, it's it's a bummer to have a game as big as the Louisville game supposed to be. Yeah. And everybody sees it as just another day. You know, dude. UNCW is ten times scarier. We learned that. I mean, like this Louisville game. It's probably outside of Stone. And I'm saying this just objectively here. Outside of like Stonehill and A and M Commerce, it's probably the game we feel most comfortable with on Kentucky's entire schedule. And it should not be that way. And it's going to be at the Yum Center, and that place is going to be. 80%, 70% blue. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be nuts next there's, Thursday. There's like six people in there right now watching Louisville play. Yeah. Uh, somebody tweeted out the crowd, and it is. It was probably better for the women's game. Uh, yeah. at least that program's great. Uh, that's yeah. their best. <laughs> that's an outstanding program. Coach Waltz has there. They got to, maybe they need to, I don't know. They got to do something. <laughs> they yeah, got to do something. Yeah, and they're, they're having some. Okay, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it'll it'll happen soon. He said, "Oh they yeah, got it. yeah." And we're biased, you know, Kentucky fans and Louisville fans. We we love to, you know, view the rivalry as as being up there. We we bristle at the fact that Duke and North Carolina gets all this national exposure sure. from the basketball standpoint. But right now we can't we can't say nothing because Louisville's not holding up there into the bargain, and we we can't just. Be like, yo, why don't we get the same, you know, when we only play one time a year, they play twice and possibly three times in the ACC tournament. But we can't we can't say nothing right now until they get their life together over there. And, and there'd be more juice if Kentucky was going to little Manhattan and playing Kansas State next week with the tank stuff than there is them going to going to the Yum Center. It's just it's a sad state of affairs. Yeah. Um, and again, you hope they get the right. I love KP just from covering him and the guy he is, but you hope they get the right guy in there that's going to turn it around. And look, it is easier now than ever to quickly turn that ship around with the portal. We see it in college football. We see it in college basketball that year one, year two. Uh, look at Ole Miss, man. I mean, they're not at Uh Chris Beard's got that team. Uh, he's a great coach, first of all, and he did a really yeah. good job recruiting. Uh, say what you want about him off the floor, but on the floor, those are the facts. Even you got to give credit to South Carolina. They were a mess year one under Coach Barrett's, but they're what, eight and one, seven to one. Uh, they're only losses to a really good Clemson team who I think is undefeated, and it was a really good game. So uh, it, it can be done at Louisville if they get the right guy. That's for damn sure. And on the flip side, if you like, it can be done, but if, if you don't get it done because you, you've had Chris Mack come through and it not work. Kenny Payne is not working. He's way worse. You, yeah. You keep bad hiring yourself. You get to the point. I'm a little older than y'all, but you get, you get to the point where you become Indiana. Yes. Yeah. You have Bob Knight, and it's great. It might be worse. And one, and then you you have uh, Mike Davis, and then uh, Miller, and, yep. and Tom Crean, and all these guys, and then it just and like like you said, Jalen, you know, re recruits don't remember you being good and it doesn't take long and they you know kids today don't even remember John Wall and he was just here he was they just don't. here and you know it's <laughs> it's it's like me talking about like like Kevin Greavy and those guys like that was a kid you know Jack Givens I didn't see Jack Jack won the title when I was a baby I know about him but you know saying and it you know, Tony Delk when I watch kids don't know Tony Delk and 
Cameron yep. Mills and all those guys. And now John Wall and Boogie, they're a decade removed. And so it just, you know, that's just the way time goes. And if you keep hiring the wrong dude, your program just becomes more and more obscure. And it just takes that much longer to get it back to being being relevant in recruits' minds. And, and the, the, the other side to that is, you know, relevant with the kids actually knowing who the players are, knowing who coaches. But those highly recruited kids, they got somebody that's well versed around them. You know, and I tell our kids the same thing: go to a place that has tradition and history of hiring good coaches. Mm. So when you when a kid looks at a school like Louisville, they like, I'm not going there. I mean, that like who hired the past coaches they have, you know who would do that like what right. what would make a school hire they must have bad leadership mm-hmm. so that's what they're thinking so i always urge kids look don't go to alabama because nick saban is there go to alabama because you know they have a standard of excellence and they have a proven track record to support their school to the utmost degree right and to hire good coaches so that's why you go to a school your coach is going to leave you know, nowadays, yes. he's not going to be there when you finish. If he does, you are really lucky. Or if you may not be there when it's all said and done. <laughs> so, That's um, for damn sure. You know, yep. so go go to schools that are have that have a really really strong track record and pedigree. You know, when it comes to hiring excellence, you know that that's that's what you do. Mm-hmm. So that's got our, our basketball. That's got our Louisville latest. And I think we can we can slide on over uh, to football and, and we can backtrack. Jalen, get to like you said, get your thoughts. We, we got a quarterback at last week. Um, what else happened too? We, you know, Vandegrift comes in. Uh, something else. Oh, your thoughts on the playoff? Whatever you want to hit, man. All that stuff that kind of went down. Yeah, those were out. the two big talks. <laughs> yeah, so I'll start with the uh, I'll start with the playoff thing, man. I, I feel good about the playoffs. I think it's going to be really competitive. I do think that, you know, um, I think that Bama is is a better team, you know, from top to bottom. But I think Michigan is more consistent mm-hmm. in what they do. Uh, I think, you know, my prediction would be Texas. No, I'm sorry, not Texas. Washington and Bama in yeah. the National Championship game. Uh, I think Texas is going to take an L to Washington. Man. I think Washington is better than what people are giving them credit for. I agree with that. And I say people, I'm talking about the people in my neck of the woods, people around here where I live in the south, deep south where I am, they don't respect like the Pac-12. They don't they don't they don't respect, they just don't, they don't at all. So and I and I I sat there and made it a point to watch Washington and Oregon. I thought Oregon would blow them out, honestly. And Washington could have beat them even worse. I thought, you know, Washington yeah. played a really good game and really strong in the trenches. Uh so I was impressed. With Washington, obviously they got a great quarterback and got great receivers. So uh, I think the coach is really good. So I, I, I think I think it'll be a good playoff, man. I, hopefully we don't see any blowout games. Hopefully uh, you know, hope there are. Hopefully these games are really really good. Uh, I'm excited to see some of the bowl games. I think they, um, you know, I think Florida State, you know, got lucky and, and, and drew Georgia, <laughs> which is uh, which is gonna. <sighs> Which is going to prove to everybody, to America, why Florida State isn't in the playoffs. Um, you know, because I think I, I would I, honestly, I can say this: I would be shocked if Florida State score more than ten points. So I would be, and I would be shocked if Georgia don't score over forty. Yeah, I would that's be, I would be, be shocked. 
Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be bad, and it's gonna embarrass the ACC. Um, you know, because it's gonna be bad. You're gonna see a team that lost the SEC championship game, a team that lost the ACC championship game. It's gonna be a forty point disparity. Um, you know, I, I really do believe that. I just don't think. I think it's gonna be embarrassing. Um, and, and and you know, like child play. But that that's my thought on that, man. I, I'm I'm excited to see the uh, Kentucky Clemson again. I think that's an interesting matchup. It's a great matchup. I think uh, very very intriguing matchup from my point of view because I'm watching schematically what teams do, and I think Clemson has a really really high ceiling, but I think they have a low floor as well. And same thing for Kentucky. To be honest with you, I think Kentucky has a a high ceiling and a low floor. So I'm excited to see how that thing goes. I can't really call it how it's going to go because I think both teams have such ranges of where they play um you know so we'll, we'll see how that thing goes i think clemson offense is atrocious right now but you know they yeah they're we'll weird see. man because they put up a lot of yards they can't finish drives that's the yeah. problem. one of the worst red zone offenses in america and they can't kick field goals their kickers like 13 for 22 so yeah they don't finish, you, they don't finish. they you <laughs> you saw that in the bowl game last year against tennessee you that's exactly that? right they were down they, the field it felt like every time even the, the week one against duke that started the whole year right they were in the red zone like four times and had <laughs> fumble they missed a kid because they're a mess uh, i mean they're averaging over 400 yards a game it makes no you, sense if you take away the 20 yard line in Clemson is really good on offense. Really if you good. take away field goal kicking in the, in the sport of football, Clemson is good on offense. <laughs> However, you can't take that away, so they, nah. they're not that good on offense right now at score, scoring points. Uh, and I, I think – I just like the matchup, man. I'm excited to see too. it. I'm excited to see it. So, uh, we'll see. But, you know, with the whole transfer portal thing, and let's start with the quarterback, uh, I think that's a, that's a it's a good pickup from, you know, the way I see it because I think you're gonna, you, you just picked up a guy who was – the best quarterback in the country coming out of high school or top three. Top five. He was behind Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Quinn Ewers. So that's pretty good. Okay. Well, yeah. So <laughs> good. guys are going to get drafted in the first round or second round probably. Uh, yep. You know, so, I, you know, I think it's a good pickup from that standpoint. I do believe that there were better quarterbacks out there. And I'm just going to keep it a being. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. He doesn't have a big enough sample size for me to pick up when I see that there are there were six or seven other guys on that quarterback list in the transfer portal that are more proven in college, you know, now he, obviously he's talented, but we haven't seen the sample size come in college football. We haven't seen enough right. of, um, and, 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 and that's, that would be kind of scary to me if I'm Stoops or, uh, Liam Cole, obviously they know more than I do about it, but, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know about that, pit, that, that get. I don't know. Um, you know, from my, I watched this film. I went and tried to find everything I could on him. I watched him. I watched him. I watched him. Nothing really jumps out to me. Um, you know, I do think it was good, a good morale booster when it comes to recruiting because you got a guy who was a highly touted, touted five star guy, you know, as your quarterback, and that helped recruit other guys. So, uh, you know, so it's good from that standpoint, but as far as the on-field play, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of anxious to see what that looks like because, like I said, I think, you get, I mean, you got Cam Ward still out there. You had Will Howard out there. Yep. Uh, you had a lot of guys, man. Even the kid that just committed to uh, Notre Dame, who I thought was uh, Riley Leonard. Yeah, right. Quarterback. Texas quarterback just entered the transfer portal. He doesn't have a huge sample size, 
but I've seen him in the game, and he's extremely talented. He's young and inexperienced, though. But so is Brock Vandegrift inexperienced in college football. So I, I we'll see. You know, I just think uh, he definitely got some some horses around him, though. You know, when it comes to offensive football. Yes. I mean, we said that last year, going into last season, this past season, we said that you know uh, this may be the most talented offense that we've seen. We may have to retract that this year and uh, this going into 2024 and, and change that because starting to look I, mean, at I, I, I absolutely, I was always saying watching Ohio state, why is Chip Trano not playing more? I used to always say, people, why, yeah. why is he not playing more? Obviously he transferred for a reason, but I thought he should have been playing more than he did. I thought he should have been playing over Mayan Williams. Uh, maybe not uh, Trevion Henderson, but I thought over Mayan Williams, but you know, the running back get the receiver get uh, or the receivers get, yeah. You know, I just man, they might not be done there yet either. Yeah, I'm sure they're not, but yeah. you know, obviously they lost. It, it hurt to lose a tight end, Dingle. Uh, yeah, that one I didn't see coming. I understand it from his point of view, though. You know, he want to go somewhere where he's the guy, and he's not coming out of the game. I think he's that talented to do that. You know, if he go to the right spot, but yeah. you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it looks, man. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think. I think you raise every concern uh, th- that that's correct. It's the inexperience. That's the thing that gives you pause. But this is how it worked the first time, right? Will Levis, I, I don't know how many starts he had at Penn State during that COVID year. Very similar amount of sample size and didn't see much of him either. And he was behind McSorley. He was behind um, Sean Clifford, two guys who had a lot of success at the college level. And I think that it's a similar thinking here, right, where – even more coveted guy at a high school. Again, top five quarterback in his class, um, top 50 prospect in the country. Um, he learned behind Seston Bennett and got to be a part of two national championship teams and see how, how it takes to win. And then this year, Carson Beck was outstanding. And he almost won that job. I, I was talking to my, my guy down there, uh, Jordan, who covers Georgia. And it was a race. It was a true race. And uh, Beck won it, but it wasn't anything maybe Vandegrift didn't do. So uh, he was in a tough spot at the best program in the, in the country right now. And he ends up, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be tough. The schedule, we'll get into the schedule a little later. The one part of the schedule that's difficult for, I think, specifically for Vandegrift is you play week one against Southern Miss, great. But instead of that week two game where it's like Akron or something, you go right into SEC play and play South Carolina. Now, if South Carolina's defense is what it was this year, it might be a softball matchup compared to the rest of the SEC. But uh, that's not easy to jump right into SEC play. But Will Levis had to do the same thing in 21 and play Missouri week two. So, um, you know, that, that gives me a concern. I think they really wanted to get a guy with two years, though. I think that's the reason they didn't get Will yeah. Howard. They didn't get um, Riley Leonard. And the, who was the other one you mentioned there, the other experienced guy? Uh, Cam Ward. Cam Ward. Yeah, Cam Ward, I think that was just <laughs> – that's the big boys are going to get that. He, yeah, he's totally yeah, – <laughs> I, I understood that. I, yeah. I, you know, and, and I, I really – I watched a kid uh, with Cutter that's coming in. Cutter Bully, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I – <laughs> I mean, obviously the age difference, but <laughs> – Cutter has a, a lot higher ceiling, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, so I wouldn't, you know, who knows? I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, the kid got a chance to play uh, because I, I think his ceiling is really high. Now yeah, that's going to be a backup battle with Bo Allen now, who's back for sure. Yeah, and, 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 you know, like I said, unless he just don't translate, whether it's offense, whether it's adjusting to college, it's a lot of different variables why quarterbacks don't succeed. Um, yeah. You know, but 
I do think he'll be the most talented quarterback on the roster, just the youngest. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll see how that thing shake out. So, and you know, people don't like to admit this or coaches don't like to admit this, but you know it's going to be pressure if if the kid from Vandergriff get in and he don't really – yeah, you know, they're going to be calling for that. the hometown kid. I mean, it's going to be the worst Stoops has ever seen it. And, and you got two of them now too, because Bo's back. Yeah, I mean, Bo. Bo is I know Bo. Bo. I know Bo is one of you else, but I'll just say on our board over on the Cats yeah. Paws, I already had a person say, "Oh, he's not coming back to compete for the to uh, the number two job." Like, come on, oh, man. You, he you might, got, I've heard he's not. A, I, I've heard by the way, he might be a PWO coming back. Like, he might not even be on Scotland, Bo. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't be shocked, but. You you got people who already got Cutter Bowley on their wall at home. Yeah, you know what I'm saying like he's <laughs> <laughs> a Lexington. Yeah, yeah, it, it's gonna be crazy. Like, yeah, I mean Vandergriff better blow it out of the water, or yeah. it's gonna be a lot of uh, a lot of yeah. rumblings in there. And I think the other two positives with Vandegrift that I think will help a lot in comparison to what they had last year. Vandegrift's a guy who, again, there's not much tape, but we saw it against Kentucky. He could run. He's a guy who's going to be able to flush the pocket and make some plays. Uh, he ran over a dude against Kentucky uh, when I was there in Athens uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just about to say his, yeah. his legs are the, the X factor. Yes. He is, he, he is a little bit more than serviceable. He can actually play. He can play when that comes, way. When the, when the play breaks down, he can he can ball. Yes. So I, I think that's gonna be that's gonna be the thing that kind of put their offense over the edge. And I was saying this before, you know, uh, when the transfer portal thing hit. And I, I honestly been saying this for about four years now or three years. I was like, Kentucky need a really dynamic guy behind center because let's call a spade a spade. Georgia, and that's the thing about Vandergriff. He's coming from a step below the worst NFL team. You know, Georgia is I think their program is that good. Yep. You know, so they yep. are he's they he's, are a high triple A team right there. He he's trained, he's I mean, for his practice habits, everything is gonna be A one when he gets to Kentucky, I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now the thing is, you know, you got um, you know, you got a Kentucky team who is not as talented as your Georgia's Bama's Texas. We know that. So what's the what how do you kind of close that gap? I think you close that gap with a guy behind center who can move a little bit. Yep. Now you don't feel comfortable using it all the time when you don't have a qualified backup that you can put in because you know what with that comes injuries uh, if you're doing it so much, especially in this conference. But I think that's how they kind of close that gap a little bit is with Van. Actually, not we know that he can move, but actually using his legs like yeah. design quarterback. <laughs> runs, you got to do it. They're going to. It's Liam Cohen, right? Rich Scangarilla, uh, maybe not, but uh, <laughs> I think they're going to do it uh, with Liam Cohen. And then, yeah, I, I just wanted to finish your point there. The the thing about being around the Georgia kids, it, Liam Cohen met with us, I think it was before the Louisville game, and he was asked kind of what do they have to do, you know, to get the right guys in here and get this offense back on track. And the first thing he mentioned was leadership, guys who will take over practice and the coaches will have less work to do. And Brock Vandegrift's a guy who's been around as good a coaching as you can get. He's been around as good a college quarterbacks as you can get. He's been yep. as around as good of offense alignment, deep, everything. He is a guy who's going to be able to do that. And I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to take shots at Devin Leary, but from the stuff I was told, he was not able to do that. And that is maybe why they suffered some this year. Will Levis was able to do that. Um, they didn't necessarily have guys had have guys at certain positions this year where they could lead by example, and I think Brock Vandegrift's a guy who's going to be able to do it. Um, 
you know, they're, he's going to probably take some lumps early like Will Levis did. I mean, he hasn't played. Uh, he's got SEC play weeks two, three, and five, so there's not much room to breathe. But um, I do think they did it right in the sense that they have a guy that they have two years with. They have a guy who can move, who clearly that's what fit in 2021. And they have a guy who's going to come in here and leap. where I'm not sure, you know, Devin Leary was voted a team captain, but I'm not sure just how much. There was a major, let's just say there was a major drop off at the quarterback leadership between Devin Leary and Will Levis. And I'm not sure with Vandegrift. I think you'll upgrade what you had with Leary. I, with Levis, you may never get that again here. That's how good. Yeah, I mean, and was. it's all—it's always that. I mean, I remember listening to uh, Urban Meyer talk about Tim Tebow. Anybody who follows that type of leader, you know, is going to catch flat when it comes to the leadership. And I think this is—you know—this th- and coaches always fall back on this. You know, when things aren't going well as they wanted to go, where's the leadership? Yeah. I mean, you got, you can, we can find, I mean, look at Marcus Mariota. I know personally from guys that say he just doesn't say anything. He doesn't talk. So I bet they didn't say anything about his leadership when he was at Oregon because they were winning. So I don't, you know, I'm not there to really critique the details of Levis and Leary, but I guarantee you Leary, you know, we're talking about a guy who was four or five years in the college football. I mean, I'm sure he had good leadership qualities. They just called it out because whatever was going on in the locker room, we, we figured that something was going on, and um, the fact that they weren't having the success that they wanted to have. So yeah, they talked about leadership. They even spoke of leadership with Will Levis on the team in 2022 mm-hmm. when things weren't going well. They spoke of leadership on the team. Go back and watch. I mean, y'all. No, you're right. So when it's coaches always go to that when things aren't going well. You know, th- where's the leader? They always say that. But sure. at the end of the day. If I were at practice, which I, I can almost guarantee that he was a guy who was, hey, holding the guys after practice, throwing extra with him, meeting with, with his receivers, watching extra film, I guarantee you he's – when he got there, they started saying that his car was one of the, was the only car at the facility along with Mark Stoops and uh, Liam yeah, Cohen. Yeah. So they, <laughs> I, I, that's the biggest, most blown out of proportion <laughs> – uh, you know, freaking argument when it comes to football, man. It's the leadership thing. Like, everybody's not going to lead the same. You know, people – He, I'm sure he led very well his own right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He. Everybody's not a vocal rah-rah guy like Levis or a Tim Tebow yeah. or Cam Newton. It's just not like that. You know what it, yeah. it is? And I'll give you one more thing. The other thing I heard with Leary that was more – I think had more validity to it that maybe they were missing this year is a mastery of the playbook. Where Will Levin, not maybe not for a lack of effort, maybe because he played in a he played in a spread offense with tempo at NC State with Tim Beck. Here it was a totally different book, and I, you know I, ha- I had a conversation with someone who made a really good point that sometimes, and you you would know this better, Jalen, but sometimes when quarterbacks get in trouble and they can't figure out who to throw to, they'll just take a shot, and that'll kind of be that'll kind of be the default. And it felt like that happened a lot this year, where there were things open down in the check down game in the middle of the field and he went and took the shot because maybe he didn't trust his reads or whatever where will levis did trust him sometimes he trusted him so much so he got himself into trouble but um he there were just some things where maybe he wasn't schematically a fit and yeah. they feel like they're getting a better scheme fit all the way around and a guy who's gonna gonna be ready for this offense i mean georgia if you look at their offense it's they kind of do a little bit of everything but i don't think i think there's more I think the NC State offense and the Kentucky offense were a lot more different than Georgia and Kentucky. No, from a, and, 
schematic and, standpoint. And speaking of that, too, we got I got a couple comments I'm gonna flash up on the screen too. We appreciate people oh, yeah. stopping by. Uh the, the standpoint, too, of Jalen, you can nerd out if you want to. You, you, you always kind of resist the urge to nerd out, but we're always trying to get <laughs> you to nerd out. But the whole Liam Cohen system, you heard that, you know, Leary wasn't calling out the coverage. You like Cox was having yep, to do that. Yep. Why? And is can we expect Vandegrift to come in and be able to pick yep. it up? Or what's what's up? Does does Cohen need to change stuff, or these guys need to step up and learn it? Give us a little bit of that, and then I'll I'll put. We got Mike Dow with a couple comments, and I'll show one, and then show the other, and y'all can see them. And we'll we welcome all the comments. Appreciate everybody that's just taking the time to do that too. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a little bit of both, man. I think uh, you know, from a let's start with the coaches. From a coach's standpoint, you have to adapt your system. Uh, to your players. I think, personally, the games that I watched live, it just felt like when they were in a hurry-up type situation, they were open sets, throwing the ball, and kind of more spreadish with their attack. It seemed like the quarterback played better. When they were slower, more pro-style, it seemed like you know maybe he didn't play as well as he wanted to play. Uh, I could be totally wrong, but that's what I got, especially the Tennessee game. Um, you know, that's what I got. So, well, Brock Vandergriff, you're going to get a guy who's played in the pro-style system. Uh, you know, whatever, you know, you throw out an NFL playbook, I'm sure Georgia's playbook looked pretty much exactly the same. Uh, I mean, they are as pro-style as pro-style get when it comes to their concepts, the way they approach the game, uh, the, the, the communication at the line of scrimmage. You know, a lot of that stuff you don't have to do in a spread offense like at NC State. So Leary probably had – he may have had some trouble. So that's part on Leary, yeah. too. you got to find a way to get it done. But at the same time, if that's the issue, you have to adjust from a coach's standpoint. You know, and sometimes it's hard for coaches to do because, you know, it's kind of an ego thing a little bit. I coach in the league. You want to go to the league. You need to learn this. Um, you know, or I coach in the league. We had success last time we were here at Kentucky with the past quarterback doing this. You need to learn this. However, you got two different human beings that's playing that position. You got to adapt to what you have. Yep. And I'll give you an example. One year I had a kid who, um, you know, he could do it. Like he can make the, the changes in the line of scrimmage. He can change the protection, slide the protection. And I've had kids who we put it on the offensive line. We made the offensive line make the calls. Um, and, you know, could the kid have done it? Maybe. But I didn't even want to put that on him because I knew that it would take him a while to get it. And we didn't even worry about it so much until the end of the season where he got comfortable. And then we started doing it a little bit more. And I just think that's, you know, you got to do that with certain guys because it's not their fault that they didn't play in that type of system. It's not their fault that they've, they've never been taught to do it. It's – just what they've been doing. And once you're a fifth year senior, you kind of are who you are, you know, so you got to kind of uh, adjust and adapt. So I think it's on both parties on that. I think it's on the quarterback and I think it's on the coaching staff a little bit, uh, you know, when it comes to changing. But I don't know if you'll have that problem with Brock better grip because I think that Georgia, if you take anybody out of college football, Georgia be one of those schools that if you look at an NFL playbook and look at Georgia's playbook, you'll probably be looking at the same thing. Uh, yep. I think they're really, really uh, – diverse in what they do you know multiple run schemes 
you know, they, they attack you from spread sets, they attack from pro style sets, 10, 11, 12, 13 personnel, 21 personnel. I mean, you know, 20 person. I mean, they do it all. So I don't think they'll have that issue if that was an issue with Leary. Yeah. Uh, real quick before we get to the rest of the transfers, uh, your Louisville Cardinal update. Final mm-hmm. media timeout. Arkansas State 71, Louisville 53. Oh, <laughs> Arkansas State's three and seven, by the way. At home, getting ran by 20 at the sparsely crowded Yum Center. Goodness gracious. Uh, I, I put I put Mike's comments back to Jalen. Yeah. He, was, he was nerding out. He was talking about the uh, Macklin from North Texas. Yeah. Uh, in addition to y'all, you referenced wide receiver gets, and he is one of them. Most recent one. Uh, and his other thought, Mike Dow. We appreciate you, Mike. We need an offensive line to protect him. Talking about Vandegrift, Georgia has an NFL type <laughs> line. Kentucky doesn't. Georgia so. has an NFL type of everything. <laughs> but um. Yeah, I get real quick with the receivers. Mac, I really, I really like both of them. I mean, Jamori Macklin, man, he first of all, he's the cousin of Jeremy Macklin, uh, mm-hmm. if that name rings a bell. Really, uh, fifth all time at Missouri receiving yards, and then obviously first round pick with the Eagles. He had was some solid. good years. He was yeah, solid. he was solid for Philly, and I think he played in KC too. Uh, mm-hmm. So Macklin's a guy who started at Missouri, was hurt, didn't really play much, two years, transfers out to North Texas. He starts to kind of emerge last year. He averaged, I think it was 24.7 yards per catch in 2022, and that was second most in the country behind actually one of his teammates uh, who's now at Auburn. I forget his name off the top of my head. And then this year he's in a 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, and he's a guy that – the stats that jumped off the page for me, of his 57 catches, 39 went for first downs. So what was Kentucky's biggest issue this year? Moving the chains, right? There were a lot of three and outs. There were a lack of plays. There were a lot of struggles on third down. Uh, This guy's a chain mover. And uh, he had um, at least one touchdown in their first eight games there. He's a big play waiting to happen. Uh, It's something, look, Varion Brown is a very fast guy, and they've hit some explosives to him. I wouldn't say he's a great route runner. This guy's, he's not the same type of burner. But he's a really, from what I've been told and heard, a really, really crafty route runner, a guy that really can make things happen. He can, he kind of plays mind games with corners and DBs, and I think he's the type of guy that fits an NFL system with how smart he is. And it, there's a clear amount of recruiting that came into that one from Brock Vandegrift. This is a guy with 27 offers out of the portal in almost every SEC team. He was supposed to visit LSU this weekend. He said, no, I'm not visiting LSU to come to Kentucky. So that's a big time get. And then Raymond Contrell, kind of similar, just out of high school. He's a four star guy um, who had a boatload of offers out of high school, goes to Texas A&M. He was hurt. He probably would have played more this year. His only catch happened to be a touchdown. But again, he was hurt. And he comes in as a forced, basically just comes in as a four star high school recruit because he has four years of eligibility left. And that that's huge. I mean, that we'll see what it means for the 2024 season, mm-hmm. but that is huge to have in your room uh, for the next four years. He's actually uh, of the portal guys. He's actually the number nine receiver in the country in the portal where uh, Macklin is down at 25. So from a pure prospect standpoint, he actually has the higher ceiling in the, in, in that, in that regard. So uh, I really like both of those additions. And as far as the offensive line goes, I mean, we talked about it last week or maybe it was even two weeks ago. First of all, getting Marcus Cox and Eli Cox back is just huge. I mean, oh, seven, yeah. sixth and seventh year guys with all that. I've, I had the number, but it an insane amount of career snaps and starts between the two of them. So your left tackle, the 
probably the most hardest position to find is set. Eli Cox, we'll see if he's at center or guard, but one of those are set. You bring back Dylan Ray, who I thought played pretty well uh, when he got a chance this year. Uh, he's coming back. Um, right tackle, I think, is the area. They, you know, Cortland Ford will compete for that starting job. He's going to come back, but they, they'll probably add up a right tackle in the portal. We'll see where that goes. They have a lot of offers out at that position. Uh, I'm not comfortable predicting any of those at that at this point, but uh, there are options out there at right tackle. And then the guards. I mean, I, I think the key is you're gonna you need Jagger Burton to figure it out. I mean, that's a four-star guy, top 150-ish prospect that you beat out for, from Ohio State. You were able to keep him home. You've got to untap that potential. And uh, I think Dylan Ray is going to win one of those guard jobs. Uh, you have some some younger guys that they want to bring along, but um, I, I think he's kind of the X factor. Uh, they got to bring Jagger Burton along. They got to figure it out with him uh, at guard. Um, but I, I do think they took steps forward this year. It wasn't perfect. And I think they're on pace to, to keep making strides, um, at least compared to the last two years. Sounds good. And you say potentially more wide receiver gets in addition to the two you yeah. had, right? Yeah, I don't think they're done there. I mean, it, it's not a lock. I still have heard they have a pretty good shot with Donovan McCulley, the six foot five transfer from Indiana who had a really good year. He was actually a high school quarterback and played, uh, started seven games at quarterback for the Hoosiers, uh, I think in either 21 or 22, uh, then moved to receiver full-time. But he'd be that big X receiver that they've kind of, they really haven't had that big X receiver since Ahmad Wagner. And Ahmad Wagner did pretty well before they had to play the run game all year. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a guy they were really high on. They got the first visit there. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, obviously, Sunday days a week away. Um, We'll see how that one goes, but, you know, that's probably the last one of the current flock that's out there that I I think they would get, but I think they're going to make a push there. And then look, um, you already have Dane Key and Barry on Brown coming back. And if something happens where maybe Anthony Brown Stevens isn't coming along as much as you want, or Shamar Porter or uh, Raymond Cottrell, you can kind of see what's out there in the portal, uh, you know, through the rest of the 45 day cycle. And then again, after spring ball. So there are options, but yeah, I do still think they'll make a push at McCulley um, and might get McCulley. And if they get McCulley, like that's a very, very, it's already a talented, pretty damn good receiver room that I've heard a lot of people that cover other teams are impressed with, but that would make it a, not as good as anyone in the SEC, but in the upper half, I'd say upper half of the league. No doubt. I think they're already probably in that like eight to seven range. I think McCulley puts them in the five to six conversation. Like he is a, if you go watch the tape, <laughs> they've been missing a guy like that. Let's just say that they've been missing a guy like that. And so you know, next week being signing day and uh, y'all be sure to oh. tune back in. We got supposed to have our guy, Justin Rowland come in next week oh, cool. to hop on and chop he that up a lot more than me. Well. So uh, I was texting <laughs> but, with him today. Go ahead. Real quick, I know Jalen mentioned Dingle. There is, I'm not going to predict it, but I have heard he is open to possibly coming back. Uh, He's not closed the book on that. Uh, The school right now to worry about is Tennessee. Uh, They had an in-house visit with him, I think, on Monday, and he might be in Knoxville this weekend from what I heard. So he is one to keep an eye out as a possible guy you can get back out of the portal. And then uh, I don't – this is all – now, this one is speculation, Dingle, I heard, but Isaiah Cummings, I thought, was going to end up at Louisville, and they just added two tight ends in the last two days. Uh, one of them is the guy from Ball State that played really well against Kentucky, uh, Tanner Kozel. But um, 
So I do wonder maybe if that door reopens because him and Liam Cohen are really close and next year there would be probably a better spot for him. But if not, I mean, they feel they feel like Kamari Anderson's uh, going to be pretty special. And he, he had a special play there against Louisville that that gives you room to be excited. A uh, big flash, as Stoops like to say. Oh, that was um, huge. And we appreciate everybody watching. And, and shout out to – we had a, a new young follower. Uh, I'm not big on the recruiting trail, but uh, a young linebacker class of 2025, Nathan Redmond from Canada, Tennessee, followed the show on Twitter. So appreciate him checking us out. And he's watching live as well. Got a question from Mike about an offensive lineman Kentucky might be interested in. AG, you might have heard of him. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got a long list. I'm not even going to try the last name yet, but uh, I know that kid has a long list. Uh, you know, San Diego State guys from California, so there are a lot of West Coast schools out there with him. I think Washington's offered um, TCU, one in Texas. That He has a long list, so I'm not quite sure exactly how involved they are in that or not. I know they offered him, obviously, so they, they have interest, but I know there's also an offensive tackle from North Texas and uh, Georgia State. Uh, this Georgia State one, I think, uh, might visit this weekend. I thought he was supposed to visit last weekend. It didn't happen. So th- there are a couple couple guys out there that they have offers out to that that could end up being options. I know that uh, the three that they were really interested in that are now off the board is one, Carter Smith uh, from Indiana. He just decided today he's going to go back to Indiana with yeah, that new coaching that. staff. So yeah. that was one they really wanted. Uh, that's yeah. not going to happen. Uh, the other one was um, Alan, the kid from a D2 school, uh, Alan Heron. Uh, he was a D2 guy who was – I don't know exactly how he slipped to D2, but he ended up working his way into, like, the top 50 guys in the portal this cycle. They had offered him. They had an in with him, but it didn't. that one didn't end up happening. He's going to Penn State. And then the kid uh, from Yale, Mendoza, is going to Louisville. The, those three guys I know they were pretty high on didn't win in those situations. But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't – They'll they're going to try to add competition at that right tackle spot. But again, remember that Cortland Ford is coming back. He's a guy that they felt comfortable with if they had to start him. He did start a game and played pretty well uh, early in the season. But Jeremy Flax had an amazing comeback year. So, you know, he kind of just got beat out. And then uh, they also have the kid Nick Hall, the 6'8 kid who they're really high on. Uh, he's made strides in practice. And uh, they I think he had an injury um, that he's working back with. But he's a guy they're extremely high on his future. Um, we'll see if that means uh, is it maybe I'm mixing up. They have two huge offensive tackles. I can't remember. It's um, I'm sorry. Uh, the kid from Richmond Wood is who I'm actually referring to. Oh, okay. Hall had the injury. Wood yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is the kid they're really high on and could compete for that job also next year. So, but I do see them adding a, at least a swing tackle in the portal. But again, getting Marcus Cox back at left tackle that saves you a lot of work. That is just massive. Yeah. John Rothstein with his daily, you know, uh, Louisville loses a bye game to Arkansas State. <laughs> At this point. The epitome of brutality. He puts that uh, about every team that loses to a, you know, yeah, a, a bye game. Kentucky did it too, but yeah, Louisville does it every game. So Louisville has now lost two bye games this season and an exhibition. Gates of hell <laughs> level brutality, according to John Rothstein. That's the perception of Louisville basketball uh, right now. Well, they opened the year last year with three straight losses in bye games. So yeah, at least they're only two this year. I mean, it's just man. oh man. I mean, what's do they play this weekend or is their next game Kentucky? Mm. Oh, sure. Let me pull up this schedule. Uh, I mean, like it. Uh, 
at this point, I mean, what a mess! What a mess, man! Yeah. Arkansas State too. Uh, I know their head coach is the was Nate Oates' top assistant last year, and he actually I think they got a four star to come there. So they like got, they have some talent, but they're three and seven, and you lost to them at the yeah. They, they got peppered on Sunday. And they oh, okay, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, Me peppered on. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, they're a mess. Uh, yeah, they got dominated in that. So they were winning going into the half by two, and then uh, yeah, that happened. Unbelievable, man. Jay, you got any other thoughts? Any other thing? I mean, you know, the I know I just know that you know, uh, Vandergrift's probably happy to hear that Cox and uh, Eli Cox is coming back, Marcus Cox and Eli. I'm I'm sure that he's happy to hear that. Um, you know, that's big, man. I, you know, you always want cohesiveness in your, you know, front five. I think that's. That's the biggest thing, man. When it comes to a successful offense, you gotta have a not a talented front five, a talented and cohesive unit. Yeah, up front, you know, that's the key. Yeah, you gotta be cohesive. I mean, it's nothing like that bond up front. You know, when guys are even when they're not as talented as other teams, but when they play well together, mm-hmm. uh, you got a chance in any game. Collectively, yeah. Yep, sure. you got a, you got a good running game because your O line plays well together. Your quarterback can run. And you use it. Your running backs are solid, and you use them. Yep. Uh, you got a chance at any game uh, for the most part. So, uh, you know, now that you know they, they have talent at receiver, not only talent but experience at receiver. They have you know three and four year guys, you know, in that room that can contribute in a real positive way. You know, I expect them to you know to be pretty good, man. You know, they I, we can all say that maybe they didn't live up to what some people's expectations were this year. You know, I thought that they would be a little bit more explosive in the past game this year, but, you know, they got the guys now to, uh, you know, to do that. They got the experience to do it. They got the, 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 you know, the, the time under their belts to do it. So we'll see how it goes, man. I'm I'm excited to see, but uh, like I said, man, I'm excited. I'm really excited to see how this uh, basketball thing turned out. Uh, I, 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 I just, you know, it's just a good. They got a. Even though the loss to uh, what was it UNC uh, UNCW well, yeah, UNCW. I, I, you know, I, I just think this team got a good good feel about them. Uh, you know, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah, and just to wrap up the portal thing, I, I've had people ask me what defense are they going to do anything. I think corner uh, name might ring a bell. To Carlos Nicholson, he was a commit a couple of years ago out of JUCO, went to Mississippi State for two years. I think that one. It's pretty much done. We'll see when that one he visited last weekend. Uh, scheme fit, 6-4, starting experience on the outside. They're losing Andrew Phillips. Guy can compete for that outside job next year. Uh, Maxwell Harrison returning is obviously massive. Uh, and then uh, D-line, they're not going to do anything. They feel really good there. Uh, I don't, inside backer, maybe, maybe, but they feel – that depends if De'Aaron Jackson or Trevin Wallace turn pro. I guess they haven't closed the book on that quite yet. And then um, edge, uh, you would think, right? Maybe they have five edge freshmen coming in, even with the two decommits. Two of them were four stars, uh, one of the Smith twins, and then Brian Robinson. So we'll see there. Obviously losing mm-hmm. Keaton Wade and you're going to lose JJ. But um, yeah. so we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to add an edge. I mean, anytime 
uh, Tyler Barron's name is in the portal. You kind of got to talk about it, right? I feel like yeah. we're talking about t- talking about Tyler Barron once in offseason. So yeah. uh, we'll see. We'll see if Brad White can finally close that deal with that player. But um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. But uh, yeah, th- th- I just want to quickly wrap it up because the yes. defense side of the ball is there. It wasn't the typical lockdown Kentucky defense we've seen the last couple of years this year wasn't a bad defense, but mm-hmm. um, there are a couple needs there that I still think they might hit. But if you look at their 24 class, which ranks 21 right now, it's, it's defensive heavy, um, mm-hmm. especially positions of need. Yeah. Uh, and of course this probably not long. No. I mean, probably not. This season's probably it. But it, it makes it scary, though, if uh, they fire him like after Pepperdine and they have an, an interim. For the, they, that's why I asked: Is Kentucky their first game coming up? Because uh, you don't want to face an interim team. That's always scary, right? That brings some juice. Yeah, well, man, but they need a lot more than some juice. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, and look at here, man. Mark Story just tweets out as. Northwestern's trying to take the heat off of Louisville. They, Northwestern, after beating Purdue, number one Purdue oh, now so loses Chicago at home State? to Chicago State. Three and nine Ooh. Chicago State beats Northwestern. What a, this college basketball season is nuts, and I'm all for it, man. <laughs> like, outside of UConn, is there – like, UConn to me is the team to beat. I know they're number five, but if you watch UConn, they haven't really skipped a beat from last year. Um, outside of that, is there anyone that's like, oh, yeah, they're world beaters? Like I don't, I think it's awesome. Not consistently uh, yet, no. Yeah, I think it, I think it's awesome. So, uh, it's chaotic. It's fun. It's there for Kentucky, you know, to take as well. Uh, it's an open field, and uh, like like you were just saying, Jalen, I am very curious to see what they do on Saturday. It is a, it's huge. It is, it's the biggest game of the year. I, I know the Kansas game. Kansas game is the third game of the year. Miami game at the time felt huge, but this is a neutral site. In Atlanta, yeah. it's going to be truly 50 yeah. 50 fans. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere, and I'm jacked up. Should be a great and, game. And this rivalry is, I mean, it's it's got oh, history, yeah. but the recent history has been amazing. You know, both sides, you know, they they hit a buzzer beater to beat Kentucky to go to the final four. Yep. You got Anthony Davis blocking John Henson's shot when they played in Malik Monk going nuclear. 47 out in Vegas. So it's it's both yeah. sides. Even the severe Wheeler game will give him some love. <laughs> yeah, they destroy Carolina. We're, yeah. we're, mostly because and, of Severe Wheeler. <laughs> and and Severe and Keon Brooks beat Gonzaga. Yeah, they led the charge yeah. to, to watching them beat Gonzaga the other night. So you know, congratulations to those guys. Um appreciate you guys, man. Great to have y'all each and every week. Uh, appreciate your perspective, Jalen. Yeah. Appreciate all the coverage, AG. Look, go to catspaws.com and read all of Aaron's stuff. A Gershon 99. He's got portal stuff. He got basketball coverage. It's always coming up with new stories. Go check out the content there. Jalen Whitlow from the UKQB. Still in the coaching game. You heard him nerd out. We want him to nerd out, and he just he just keeps he he don't he just don't unleash it on us all the time. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> but y'all, man, we appreciate it. Appreciate our comments. Mike, man, you got some friends. Tell them to come and check us yeah, out. Appreciate them. Like the Facebook page or follow us on YouTube, on Twitter. We'll be here next Wednesday. And, you know, circumstances call for an emergency podcast. We'll do that as well. But every hey. Wednesday, we're recapping what's going on. So y'all come and check us out each and every week. Next Wednesday will be a good one. Next Wednesday signing day, so we'll know yeah. the class, and we'll be a day out from the Louisville game, have the UNC recap. So mm-hmm. that, that's a good one next Wednesday. You'll want to tune in there. 
Should have Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated on here. To uh, get, he'll finally be uh, able to breathe. He's got football and basketball covered, so we'll, you know, he's in recruiting. And I got a little question about a high school player. I'm going to ask all y'all about because I've been getting messages from a parent of a player. So I throw that out there to y'all. And, and I texted Justin a few weeks ago. I hit him with it again. So fun episode coming next week. Y'all join us again. Uh, for Dylan Whitlow and Aaron Gershaw, my name is Vinny Hardy. It's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky. Go Cats. Beat those Tar Heels. And we'll see everybody next week at this same time. 9 o'clock next Wednesday, y'all. We'll see y'all then. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.